credit scores, down payments, interest rates. Car buying can be a numbers game, but you don't have to be a math expert to get the keys to your dream car. Just use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. Crunch your numbers and get personalized results so you know exactly how much you'll pay each month for your car. It's like having a magic wand for your wallet. Presto! The car you've been wanting is now within reach. So hit the road and leave your calculator at home. Auto Trader. It's been almost 3,000 years and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, it's Josh and Chuck is here in spirit too. And we just wanted to drop a casual reminder that we are going to have a swinging Pacific Northwest swing this coming February and tickets are now on sale. February 1st, we'll be at the Moore Theater in Seattle. February 2nd, we'll be at Revolution Hall in Portland. And on February 3rd, for SF Sketchfest, we'll be at the Sydney Goldstein Theater. Go check out all of our social medias for more information and links to tickets. And we'll see you in February. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, and there's Chuck, and Jerry's here, too. And this is Stuff You Should Know, the day after Labor Day edition, which Chuck loves. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, Emily showed me that article that informed part of this mm-hmm. episode the other day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll get to it, but I started looking at this photographer's doppelganger photo series. Yeah. And boy, some of those are crazy similar. Yeah, what about the two bears with their shirts off? Yeah. I those thought... <laughs> guys struck me as extremely close. The uh, the two women with the bangs and the black tank tops looked mm-hmm. like identical twins to me. I could not tell them apart. Yeah, I, I feel like we shouldn't tease anybody anymore. There's a guy, and like you said, we'll get to him um, in a little bit, but or he'll figure in in a little bit, I should say. But he's a Montreal, I guess a Quebecois photographer, Francois Brunel. And for 20 years, he's been uh, assembling pictures of doppelgangers, people who already knew they had a doppelganger and wrote in, doppelgangers he's looked for and found on the street. And he brings them together into his studio and photographs them together. But he does some, like, really cool stuff with it. It's not just like, here, you stand here and you stand next to him. The way that he poses them and dresses them and everything, it, like, it creates, like, a sense of intimacy between them. It makes you think you're looking at identical twin photos. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of them, people favor one another. And then when you have them styled to look alike and posed alike, that informs what you're seeing. But a, a handful of them, it was, they look so much like identical twins that it's just, it's weird to think that you could walk down the street one day and meet right. someone who looks exactly like you. Yeah. And I mean, like, that is got to be pretty eerie. And luckily, one of the great things about social media is that people, 
can post their random encounters. You got a phone with a camera on it. You yeah. got access to social media through that phone. You can just snap a picture of you and your doppelganger, post it to the internet, and let everyone go crazy. Uh, and that does happen, it seems like, from time to time. But this dude's whole jam, it's called um, I'm Not a Lookalike with an exclamation point. It sounds like a, a Disney movie from the 60s or something. Um, but that's that's uh, Francois Brunel's 20-year series. Yeah, and not just, hey, Chuck, you look like every tubby guy with a beard and glasses. <laughs> it's like, that's that's lazy. <laughs> sure. Uh, I think when you're in the public eye, people tend to do things like that to say, okay, you look like all of these people. Um, we're talking like real lookalikes. Um, right. Which I, you know, I, I think I've gotten a couple here and there over the years that, that I was like, okay, I could see that for sure, but um, doppelgangers are different. Yeah, so doppelganger, if you haven't just surmised already, it's a German word at its origin, and um, it's not one of those really clever German words. It really just means double-goer or a different interpretation is double-walker, and it's not some super old, like, like medieval word. It was actually coined at the end of the 18th century by a, um, an author named Jean-Paul, which is an unlikely German name, if you ask me. <laughs> but he wrote a book called uh, Siebenkass. Yeah, Siebenkass. I, I nailed it. Um, and uh, that book was about a man who had a doppelganger, right? Yeah. I think John Paul's hiding something with that name. I do too. I think He's actually a, a double. I think there's a Dusseldorf at the end or something that he left off. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, so he wrote about it in that novel, but um, as Livia is keen to point out, Livia helped us with this one, The uh, he sort of mixes up the words. When he was actually talking about a lookalike human, he used the word with a T, doppelganger, mm-hmm. uh, but did use the word doppelganger in there as a, as a meal with two courses being served together. So I don't know if things just got a little confused or people thought it was just fine to drop the T, but doppelganger became the eventual word that we use for, you know, a non-related lookalike. And that's, I don't know if we pointed that out, the obvious thing here is that you're not not related to these people at all. Yeah, and the other thing about a uh, doppelganger is, again, like you said, it's not like, oh, you bear a passing resemblance or you favor one another. Like you're as close to the person's, double, body double, as you can get. And the closer you are, the more of a doppelganger you are, basically. Right. But um, but Jean-Paul, I can't say his name any other way, um, he coined those terms. So it's funny that he kind of got it wrong. Everybody else is like, no, we're going to drop the T, like you said. But the fact that he coined the term doppelganger doesn't mean he invented the concept. He, it's actually a, a much older concept. It just didn't have the same name that we use now. Um, apparently, there was a long-standing um, superstition in England, in Germany, dating back, I think, to the medieval age, maybe before Chuck, where if you saw your doppelganger three times, it meant you were about to die. And that's still a, I think people still kind of believe that one. Yeah, and that's, I mean, there are all kinds of old pieces of folklore in just about every country you can explore that has some sort of, and it's usually not if you find your doppelganger, then, you know, good luck will come your way. <laughs> it always seems like it's some kind of uh, spooky negative thing will happen, whether you see them three times mm-hmm. or whether, uh, I mean, there was one, I think, in the Norse uh, mythology uh, where a spirit appears. This one's just a little weird. It yeah. appears just like you, but it it beats you to wherever you're going. So if you're traveling on a journey, 
your doppelganger would beat you there and people think that you would have arrived earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if that's the, the solves tardiness for the <laughs> in <laughs> North my- mythology, but that right. one's not super evil, but it's usually, especially when you get into literature, uh, some sort of, you know, evil force or evil twin that's come along to wreck things for you. Yeah, and that Norse one that arrives, I just want to put a button on that because I did a little research. It um, It's called the Varduger, and the reason I know how to pronounce it is because I looked up what the O with the slash is pronounced like, and it's the same thing as an O with the umlaut. Yeah. I didn't know that before, did you? Yeah. I, well, you, you might be a little more of a metal fan than me. <laughs> it's cool looking, just like the umlaut. Super cool. I think it's cooler than the umlaut. It's got like a slash through it, you know, like, uh, take that O. Whereas the umlaut's like, I'm adorning this O. It's a little different. All right. <laughs> uh, Edgar Allan Poe wrote a story called William Wilson. Uh, sort of like I mentioned before about, you know, evil things happening. A narrator meets a boy at school. Uh, and this one had the same name, I'm presuming, William Wilson. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it'd be a weird title. <laughs> and this boy, though, only speaks in a whisper. So uh, it seems like all through literature, it's always some sort of a creepy, shadowy figure. Yeah, there's also Dostoevsky um, put kind of a spin on it where uh, he introduced a doppelganger to the main character in a, a novel called, or a novella, I think, called The Double. And I love this. In it, the doppelganger is like a more likable version of the main character and ends up breaking the main character character mentally I like which that. I, I could totally see that you know like if this this imposter comes along or this other version of you comes along and people are like i it's like better. you yeah. a lot more yeah and it reminds me have you seen that paul rudd show living with yourself no I, I don't know how it escaped but they did a season of it in 2019 didn't follow up on it but he plays himself and his doppelganger to great comedic effect but it's also like really fascinating and interesting. It's a really great show. It's on Netflix. Well, that's the other thing, that, and we'll talk about some more in history. But of course, with TV, uh, oftentimes it's flipped to a more fun thing, and it's played right. for laughs. Whether uh, you know, I don't think Three's Company had a doppelganger episode, but it wouldn't surprise <laughs> me because yeah. it can be played for a sort of mixed identity hijinks as well. Totally. Like a one where Mr. Furley was into Jack, but it was really his doppelganger. Yeah, and that, I mean, it'd probably be like his twin brother who came to visit in that case, but... This still counts. An unknown <laughs> twin still in the canon counts as a doppelganger. Do you think? Well, yeah, I think so. All right, well, you just negated what I said, that they're not related, but... Well, okay, that's true. Once you find out, here's the thing. This, this actually proves your point, Chuck. Once the characters find out, oh, it's a twin, oh, okay, mystery gotcha. solved, no longer a doppelganger, it becomes a twin. But up to that point when they're like crossing paths with one another and never in the same room at the same right, time, that's a it central seems mystery. doppelganger. <laughs> yes, exactly. But Furley doesn't have a brother. <laughs> or does he? Why is he acting so weird? Uh, there have been some uh, true historical figures over the years that bought into this stuff. Um, Abraham Lincoln, uh, there, he and uh, his wife, they, they had all kinds of kind of uh, interesting uh, beliefs. <laughs> it was the age of spiritualism. Yeah, for sure. So you have to take that into consideration, I think. But sure. um, Lincoln supposedly saw his uh, image – Three times, I think, in the mirror in 1860, which, uh, what was his wife's name? Mary Todd? Mary Todd. Mary Todd said, 
you know, you're going to serve two terms as president, and that's what that means, but you're going to die before the end of the second term. <laughs> and he said, well, good night, dear. <laughs> but see, I take issue with some, <laughs> with some of these listed historically because they're more ghostly specters right. than real human doppelgangers. So John Donne's um, story is strictly by location. I would not call it a doppelganger one where he saw his wife a few times while he was in Paris and she was back in England and right. she was actually ill and their child had died. By location doesn't count. But – Percy Bysshe Shelley, he saw his doppelganger and died a few weeks later in yeah, a sailing accident. That counts. I would say that one counts in the lore. And then Catherine the Great's was pretty good too, right? Yeah, and I think Percy Bysshe Shelley's uh, doppelganger had a t-shirt on that said, I'd rather be sailing. <laughs> That's which right. Which made it even weirder. No, he had a, his t-shirt said, no plates, because that was his third <laughs> third choice. Who was the other one? Uh, Catherine the Great. Yeah, this was a real one too, actually. Um, supposedly, there was... A, a servant, right, who discovered a, a double like that somehow got in there, faked their way in there, and was sitting on the throne. So this was a case where someone was, I don't think, trying to, like, you know, realistically take over as queen, but right. at least got in there and was like, I'm going to sit on the throne, and I got past the guards because I look like you. Yeah, I also saw uh, it interpreted as, like, phantasmagoric, too. Oh, like it didn't happen? No, that it was like a phantom or a dop- like a supernatural dop- yeah, right. doppelganger rather than like a double or something like that. Again, know? not a real doppelganger to me. And then my favorite one of all time, I, I've known this one since I was a kid, back when I was into the Time Life Mysteries books, because I think that's where I first read it. But the German poet and philosopher Goethe, one of the reasons I like this anecdote is because I love saying Goethe's name. Mm-hmm. He um, was riding one time from Alsace to... I want to say Dusseldorf, but I think that's wrong. But it works, right? I mean, sure. It's the name of that author. And he passed himself on the road. And the other, his doppelganger was wearing some gray outfit or whatever. And then like eight years later, he was on his way from Dusseldorf to Alsace going the other way. And he realized he was wearing that same outfit that his doppelganger had been wearing eight years before. And he was like, this is pretty awesome. And that was a Time Life Books thing? Yeah, I remember it very well. Yeah, that sounds about right. I didn't know how to say Goethe's name at the time, though, so I was like, this really weird thing happened to Goethe. All right, maybe we should take a little break now that we've sort of given some past examples of what may or may not be doppelgangers, and we'll talk about real doppelgangers, real-life humans, walking around that look like you right after this. Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When your child fights sleep, it can feel like a battle you'll never win. Imagine a bedtime routine you all look forward to, where you cuddle in and let the stress of the day melt away. Welcome to Sleep Tight Stories, a calming weekly podcast that brings bedtime stories, cuddles, and comfort to families worldwide. The stories are quirky, relatable, and spark wonder without overstimulation so listeners can fall asleep and stay asleep. Each episode is narrated by me, Cheryl McLeod, a second-grade teacher, and written by my husband, Clark, an eternal second-grader at heart. Tune in tonight and bond over a story before drifting off to sleep. Make bedtime the sweetest part of your day. Sleep Tight Stories. Listen to Sleep Tight Stories on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, so we mentioned uh, the photographer, um, mm-hmm. Francois Brunel, who's been doing this project. It's called I'm Not a Lookalike, where they, uh, where he takes pictures of these people. And I'm sorry, I, Chuck. There's an exclamation point at the end of that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a lookalike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I encourage people to go check this out when they're in a safe space and you're like not driving or whatever to look at some of these photos mm-hmm. because it's – it's amazing. I mean, some of them, like I said, look to my eye like identical twins. There's the other two sort of um, gentlemen probably in their 60s uh, with the little mustache. Did you see mm-hmm. those guys? The shirtless ones? No. The picture I saw, they had on like little uh, sort of like uh, newsboy caps. 
Mm, I don't know if I saw those guys. They look, ex- I mean, they look like identical twins. And um, <laughs> so cool. Those are the ones that this is the article that Emily sent me where it talked about that project. And then it got into a really interesting study because if you think, well, you know, what is a doppelganger? I've always, since I was a kid, I've always sort of um, realized that there are only so many facial combinations you can have. Mm-hmm. And with the amount of, we talked about this over the years in the show too, like mm-hmm. over the years and through history, uh, especially seems to happen if you're looking through like yearbooks from like the 40s and 50s and 60s, you'll like see people that look like people you know or like yourself. Mm-hmm. There are just only so many ways you can rearrange a face until you're bound at some point to get someone who maybe favors somebody a little bit or even more or to the point where they look just alike. Uh, and so you might think, well, what does that have to say about what's going on inside? Is there any anything to DNA? And they looked into that, right? Yeah, I guess Brunel's work caught the attention of a, um, a researcher named Manel Esteller from Spain, from the Carreras Leukemia Research Institute, who said, I, I want to try to figure this out. And these people are like a perfect population sample. So he took, I think, 32 pairs of doppelgangers, uh, ran them through three different facial recognition programs, and half of them, I guess 16 of the pairs, as far as the AI was concerned in the programs, they were identical twins. That's what the AI took them for in all three programs, right? So they took those people and they analyzed their genomes and they found, actually, these people have a lot of similar genes. And even though they're not related, that was another part of the study. They went through and made sure that these people weren't like there was some unknown relation that they had to one another. They didn't. They were as genetically unrelated as two random strangers would be on the street, but they shared some some very similar genes in some key places, especially like facial construction. Yeah, and they were also, uh, and again, this doesn't like lessen the study any to me, but uh, they were generally from the same country uh, or the same ethnic background. Um, although I did see uh, it, it uh, gender varied because there was one where it was a man and a woman who looked a lot alike. Uh, in those photos that they put together, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. But they looked into how they matched up, uh, I think, with their microbiome, uh, epigenetically, which is basically how your behaviors and your environment is going to affect your genes, and then just your straight-up genome. And what they found out was they did share a lot of what are called SNPs, single nucleotide polymorphisms, Uh, Mm -hmm. which are the variations in our DNA that create most of the uh, genetic variation that people have with one another. So they shared uh, a lot of them. And I I wish we would have gotten like the raw numbers because all it says is like, you know, they shared many SNPs, whereas (laughs) I'd like to see sort of the actual data, which I couldn't get to. Mm -hmm. Um, But what they did find was that epigenetically and with their microbiomes, they were basically random. So it was only genetically that they shared something. Well, yeah, and they said, well, actually, I think this is probably what accounts for a lot of the differences in identical twins. Like, people look at identical twins and they're like, oh, you're identical. But if you really start to look at them closely, you're like, actually, there's a lot more differences than you'd think between them. And even though they share the same genes, I think 99% of the same DNA, what makes identical twins slightly different is in their epigenome. And this this study basically found the same thing with doppelgangers. They can share a lot of similar genes that, that give them the same 
facial traits or builds or um, I think even habits they found. A lot of them, like if one smoked, the other was likely to smoke. Yeah. Or, you know, they carried their weight about the same way. Um, but they found that, that like you said, the, the differences were found in their epigenome. And I don't know if – I know they tested it, but I didn't see that their microbiome might have provided some differences too. It's basically nature versus nurture or – more to the point, it's like nature and nurture working together to make us slightly different, even when we're basically bound to look the same genetically. Yeah, I think the microbiome was the same as uh, the epigenetic finding, which was, uh, I think the quote was, it generally wasn't any closer than two mm-hmm. randos. Gotcha. That's what they said in the paper, randos. <laughs> they did. <laughs> they did. I'm trying to find real quick the— um, The data? The number of SMPs. Um I can't find it that quick. There's a lot of numbers and weird, like, uh, like C, capital C, lowercase p, large, <laughs> capital G. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what that is. But I will tell you this. I looked up those those uh, older guys yeah. in the news caps. Right. They are spitting image. Yeah. And not only are they spitting image of one another, they're spitting image of the uh, Lennox uh, air conditioning man. <laughs> <laughs> they look exactly <laughs> like that guy. Down to the hat. Well, I guess if that guy ever, you know, leaves the earth and uh, they've got two backups. I mean, what's it called when you get three doppelgangers together? No, a doppelganger? I guess so. Uh, what I'd be curious to see is if, and maybe I'll look more just for my own uh, funsies into uh, the photographer's project, because what I'm curious about is if these, like how these people get along and if they like formed friendships, if they liked each other. If they had similar interests, you know, that's that's pretty fascinating to me. I think so too. And again, like that's that's the kind of stuff that can take a a real a real turn, I guess, depending on how you were raised or even like right. you know, were you raised in your power lines? Great, that means you're into baseball cards, that kind of thing. Um, that we just haven't put our finger on yet. But it does seem like, you know, it, it's becoming clear and clear. It's not just genetics, it's not just epigenetics, it's it's all of that stuff put together. And it seems like so wildly unattainable, that information, um, because it's so complicated and there's so many variables and so many factors. But if you step back and think about it, there's a finite number of variables and factors. As many as it seems to us, it's a finite number. It's not infinite, which means someday we could conceivably get a grasp on exactly what makes a person them, which right. I find really exciting. You know what would be funny is if they really got along and they were like, oh, my God, we have so many similarities. We look just alike. This is such a weird thing. And they were having lunch and one of them was like, boy, what a shame that Hillary lost the right. And the other one like oh, no. unveils a Make America Great Again t-shirt or something. Just drops their fork. <laughs> they just get up and part ways silently. Yeah. That would be the best case scenario, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this study um, – this next one kind of irritates me a little bit. Uh, it was from 2015, and I think was well-intentioned, but there was an Australian biologist named uh, Tegan Lucas who looked at, got off to a great start, looked at 4,000 faces from the <laughs> U.S. Anthro, uh, Anthropometric Survey database, which is something the U.S. Army puts together. And Te- com- Tegan Lucas is listening to this now. She's like, oh, you got off to a great start on that U.S. Anthropometric Survey, Chuck. Well, I think Tegan Lucas <laughs> overachieved because uh, what they did was looked across eight facial features and 
calculated the like the chances that you'll look just like someone else is one in a trillion. Right. I see these pictures of these doppelgangers. I'm like, there's just no way because I'm looking at the evidence, and it turns out that. Tegan really got into like measuring the millimeter of a nostril and stuff like that. And the mm -hmm. comparison, it was just too identical. Like I think with identical twins, you wouldn't get that close. No, but I think that's what she was going for is like, you know, would it be possible for two identical people to be walking around? And one of the applications of her research is if we're creating facial recognition systems, which we've done an episode on before, it was pretty eerie, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But if we're creating these things, if we're building computers to recognize people's faces, are there going to be any kind of like false positives out there because sure. there's two people out there who are that similar? And the chances are really low unless we just keep going population-wise. And even with the number of people out today, I frankly don't think it's that low of a chance that there are two people who are identical across eight measures of your face. Yeah. And she wouldn't she wouldn't reveal what the eight measures were because apparently her work was that like groundbreaking that they she's like, I no, can't really. let anybody know what to <laughs> what to hide or disguise. Okay. But those, uh, the the point is, it's eight different dimensions, and like you said, I think like nostril width, ear length, that kind of stuff, yeah. down to the millimeter. And she found that it's like a one in a trillion chance that there are two people walking around like that. The thing is, there's eight billion people on the planet, and that's so that means not, there's no doppelgangers. It's not well. It's not close to a trillion, but it's not as far off from a trillion as like if there were two people on the planet. So if you have two people on the planet and a one in a trillion chance that they're going to look alike, the chance that they're going to look alike is basically nothing. <laughs> but as you get closer to a trillion, yeah. there is a really good chance that there are going to be two people walking around that are identical. And we're at 8 million, so we're at, I think, a 1 in 125 chance that today on Earth there are two people who look exactly alike across those eight measures. The point is <laughs> for you and me to just be looking at stuff. Uh-huh. We don't need those eight measures to be exactly right. If they're right. close enough, that's when people look like doppelgangers to you and me. But we're not artificial intelligence. We're sentient beings. Right. Well, yeah. We're artificial. And I think we're intelligent. <laughs> but we're, are we, we're not those two things together. <laughs> are we artificial? <laughs> sure. I just want to try and freak people out a little bit. Okay. The Good. Josh bot and the Chuck bot are hard at work here. <laughs> Does not compute. <laughs> well, I think we what we're arriving at is a point that we failed to make earlier, which is there is no agreed upon definition of what constitutes a doppelganger. Uh, like how alike do you have to look to someone to say you're a doppelganger? Right. You know, like I look like the guy, I look like the, the bass player for Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. But is he my doppelganger? Probably not. Okay, so I, one of the reasons why I think people would kind of look at you and then the bass player for... Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. <laughs> sure. Um, and put you guys together and said, oh, they really look alike, is because we use, like, shortcuts when we're looking at, at people's faces or even just people in general. So let's say you're both wearing the same hat and the same... You both have a similar beard, I'm guessing? Yeah, I don't want to name him because I don't want to just keep calling him that because I love that group. Uh, his name is Jimbo Hart. And when you look at a picture of Jimbo Hart, he, you know. <laughs> That's a great name, dude. Like, look him up. He's got the beard. He, he's, you know, when I'm reading, I got on my black room glasses. I like to wear my hats these days. My, uh, 
you know, various sort of cowboy hats and fedoras. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, the guy looks like me. Okay, so t- if you put you guys together, you're both wearing the same glasses, you got a beard, you got hats on and all that stuff, people would be like, spitting image. But take the glasses off, shave the beard, yeah. take the hat off, and then put you guys together. How close would you really be? And probably not that close. I can tell None you, this- I can see him without a beard, and he's not nearly as close. Okay, right. So there you go. Like, we make these shortcuts with our faces or with our minds um, to just kind of, as like kind of a shorthand for like, oh, that's Chuck. I don't have to analyze him anymore because that uses up a lot of brain power and energy, and I'm kind of low on carbs today, so I just know that that's Chuck. Right. Where it really turned out to be Jimbo Hart, the basis for... The 400 unit. <laughs> that's right. Uh, right, and uh, you know you've seen this, and th- here's a good example of how this can play tricks on people. Uh, and this is just one example. A lot of people have done that kind of fun thing where you switch out a a face on someone and put it on <laughs> someone else, and it's like it should be obvious, but it's like it just looks like a weird, uncanny version of that person. Right. Uh, the one that Livia picked out was from MIT when they put George Bush's face on Dick Cheney's head mm-hmm. and Bill Clinton's face on Al Gore's head. Mm-hmm. That dates the uh, creation of that <laughs> particular meme or whatever it was. Uh-huh. Uh, the Dick Cheney one looks like you got to look a bunch of times before you realize that's George Bush's face. Um, yeah. The, the, the Al Gore one, I mean, it's so clearly Clinton. It's, it's just kind of funny looking. Mm-hmm. But the, the Bush-Cheney swap actually kind of worked, and that, I guess, goes to sort of prove that you look at things like hair and uh, stuff like that as, you know, that big Clinton mop or that big Al Gore mop that he had or Cheney's bald head, and that's a big clue. Yeah, and also, like, the I think one of the foundations of this swap is that it can't be, like, an egregious change. Right. Like, if you remember back to, I think it was Conan that used to put Steve Buscemi eyes on different <laughs> celebrities and see what they look like. That's an egregious change. It's not going to work. But that was great. Dick Cheney and George Bush's eyes look similar enough that if you put George Bush's eyes on Dick Cheney's face, yeah. you're not really going to notice because uh-huh. it's not that egregious of a change. And uh, there was a study, I think, from 1977 swinging, groovy study, and it basically tried to figure out how people register faces in what order. And they found that first we look at the eyes, then we look at the mouth, Mm -hmm. and then we look at the nose. And those are the things we kind of take in. But there's other research, and I think this is also kind of like supported by the same study. Like when you look at someone's face, you don't go, all right, let me see the uh, the eyes. Mm-hmm. I got that. Let me see the mouth. Right. Okay, looking at that. And then the that nose. That makes you a serial killer. <laughs> right, right. Oh, I want to kill that person. Right. No, like we just look at the whole thing, look yeah. at the whole package, which is why it's so easy for us to overlook differences between even identical twins or, or doppelgangers and make people look closer together than they are because our brains are lazy and fat. That's right. And it also depends on as far as whether you might look like someone about, you know, it just sort of makes sense if you look, and it's hard to say that someone's average looking, but what we mean by that is, and Livia points out is, you know, you're not six foot nine and have flaming red hair and freckles. Like those things will make you very much stand out. Whereas if you live in a population of, you know, middle Georgia and you, you know, you're a little tubby, you've got a beard, you got dark hair, uh, and you dress a certain way, then you might look like a lot of people. Sure. 
And um, that actually raises a, uh, a recent um, internet sensation. A guy named Neil Douglas um, was, I think, flying to Ireland on so a Ryanair cool. flight. Yeah. And uh, went to get in his seat and saw that there was somebody sitting in his seat. And the person looked up, <laughs> and it was his doppelganger. It was so great. I mean, isn't that even more bizarre? Like, it wasn't in, like, the back of the plane. Like, right. this guy was in his seat, too, yeah. which makes it even more eerie. And so they snapped a selfie and, like, posted it. And every, everyone just went bonkers because these guys had no idea who the other one was. They uh-huh. weren't related. But they looked a lot like each other. But there was this BBC article that covered it where they basically said, okay, but let's really stop and think about this. That's amazing. And the fact that he was in his in the other guy's seat is even more amazing. But how how unlikely is it that these two, you know, were on the same plane? Mm-hmm. And they figured out that based on a number of different factors, like the hair, the face, the beard, the nose, um, uh, I think the brown eyes, that there's something like maybe 80,000 people walking around out there that look just like them, essentially. Yeah, 74,000. Uh, That's a lot of people. It is a lot of people that look essentially like those two enough that, that the internet would go crazy if you put two of them together and said, these two are strangers, and they just met uh, and, and posted a picture of it. It was a pretty fun picture because they're so delighted, clearly, with seeing each other. <laughs> and then right. another guy, there's an, a, a triple picture somewhere, too, of another guy that was like, hey, I'm one of those 74,000. <laughs> and they put all three of them close to each other, and they look pretty similar. Um the the one uh, sort of difference here is in height is one of the dudes yeah. was five seven the other was six three because there's other pictures of them uh, out drinking together in Ireland I guess they kind of hung out and stuff which is great well I read they kept running into each other and finally they were oh, like really? okay <laughs> let's go get a pint together like they were at the same hotel and like they they kept running into one another so they went with it see if you believe in like weird fate or intervention you might wonder if like maybe I should give some thought to what this means. Like, am I supposed to do something special with this person? Right. If the movie Serendipity with John Cusack <laughs> really spoke to you. I don't I never even saw that. You mentioned that movie a lot. Great, what happened in that movie. movie? Great. I don't want to spoil it for okay, anybody. Was but, there a doppelganger? No. Oh, okay. But it was, it was, uh, they kept running into one another and like, it just kind of was. Like, oh, great. it's just the chance of true love over and over. It was a good movie, okay? <laughs> don't they go to some uh, ice cream shop in New York, famous ice cream shop? I don't remember that. I think you're talking about Midnight Cowboy. Okay, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, hey, hey, let's go get some ice cream. <laughs> was a, that was a great John Voight, Chuck. Oh. Um, there, was, uh, there was another one that came along recently, too, that I think is even better than, than the other one. Right. There's a dude named Sean McArdle okay. who is hanging around a pool in Vegas. And his double, Chuck, just look it up, Sean McArdle doppelganger. His double happened to be floating along in the same pool, wearing the exact same glasses. Apparently, they were the only two people at the pool wearing glasses. Not sunglasses, but glasses, glasses. Okay. The same glasses, same hat. They actually do have, like, the same build and same height and everything. They are the spitting image of one another. And they were just randomly in the same pool in Las Vegas (laughs) at the same time. so funny. Yeah. I think my first thought uh, would be, like, what kind of crimes can we commit? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, like, we'll get to that bank? in a different let's, episode. Let's, let's rob a bank. Mm-hmm. That's my first thought. That's terrible. We're just kidding. Um, are we due for another break? Yeah, or should we wait? I think so. Yeah, let's take a break. All right. We'll take a break and come back and sort this all out.
Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Oh, hi. I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Who hasn't heard names like Achilles or Odysseus, Cassandra, Medusa? But how much do you know about them from the ancient world? Let's Talk About Myths Baby is the podcast bringing the ancient sources to life. Greek myth and history is timeless, and unless you've been living under a rock, you have seen just how true that is today. But there is so much more to these characters and stories than what pop culture can do justice. I'm Liv Albert, the host of Let's Talk About Myths, Baby, and every week I bring you stories from the ancient world, both mythological and historical, to breathe new life into these thousands of years old stories. I'm also regularly joined by some of the most brilliant names in the field of archaeology and ancient history, authors of your favorite retellings from today, and everyone in between. Join me as I dive into the wild world of the ancient Greeks and their stories. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
So one of the reasons I think, Chuck, that um, we have uh, like a propensity to notice doppelgangers and also just be just crazed by them is that we are really, really good at picking out faces. Mm -hmm. So good, in fact, that we have a region of our brain that it's starting to become clear is is intended exclusively for seeing faces. And that actually bucks the current trend of understanding with neuroscience where different parts of the brain get recruited to kind of specialize in different things from sensory input over time. Mm -hmm. You put a lot of sound in in one part of the brain, it's going to be like, all right, fine, I'll handle sound from now on. Um, This, it seems you're born with this ability to recognize faces. Uh, The region's called the fusiform gyrus, and they've done some really interesting studies about it. And I think we should actually do an entire episode on the fusiform gyrus and Face, face blindness. Hubba hubba. <laughs> I know. Am I, like, can you tell I'm hot? <laughs> I'm all about it because uh, this one experiment is something I would actually like to do. Um, it's pretty freaky. They got people uh, in a room. They gave them a mild electric current mm-hmm. straight to the fusiform gyrus. Isn't that right? Yep. And they said, <laughs> you know, we're going to do this and just look at me and tell me what you see. And basically, they shape-shifted in front of their very face when they gave them this electrical stimulation. So it changed their perception of what they look like. It didn't change their height or weight or their clothing or their skin color or anything yep. like that. But yeah. it, it sounds like it literally, in their own perception at least, transformed what their face looked like, which has got to be really weird. Yeah. Oh, man, I can't imagine seeing that. Uh, especially you see it while you're undergoing open brain surgery and you're conscious, and then they start <laughs> messing with parts of it, right? Right. There was a follow-up study, too, that I find just even more fascinating. They recruited some participants who were blind from birth, so they've never seen a human face ever with their eyes. And they gave them, um, they put them in an MRI, and they gave them uh, models of, like, 3D models of faces and had them rub the faces, and the fusiform gyrus lit up. I love so, that. So, like, it is strictly for faces. They also, they were like, okay, well, maybe it's just, you know, it's 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 for other things, too. They gave them 3D models of cubes and other, other stuff that, that weren't faces. Nothing happened in the fusiform gyrus. So, we have a place in the brain that's strictly for recognizing faces, and I think that's probably why we um, can pick out doppelgangers so easily, because our, our brains are kind of attuned to look for faces everywhere. Yeah, and, you know, if you're thinking this might be, like I mentioned, committing a crime sort of in passing, but if you think this could be a big problem as far as the advent uh, and more widespread use of facial recognition AI, especially with CCTV and trying to catch bad people doing bad things, uh, and we've talked about this in the past on, I think, a couple of different episodes, but that stuff works okay but it doesn't work great with dark skin. It doesn't work great for people of color, um, uh, black people, Asian people. It gets confused a lot. And this is already, uh, you know, people have been wrongly imprisoned because facial recognition AI has made a mistake. Yeah. There's a one guy as recently as 2019 from New Jersey um, named Najir Parks. And he uh, had to end up spending five grand to defend himself, spent, I think, uh, 20 days in jail, possibly, um, because he was uh, accused, or uh, I guess an AI facial recognition system accused him of shoplifting and then trying to hit a police officer with his car. 
And um, it turns out he'd been 30 miles away, but he had been misidentified by this. And I think in our episode, we talked about this at length, Mm -hmm. that facial recognition systems are really good at recognizing white men's faces. Right. But other people, it just starts to go down and down until you get to the point where a black woman's face is 40 times likelier to uh, come up with a false positive Mm -hmm. than a light-skinned man. Uh, And apparently, it's just the data that they're trained on. They just said, let's just give them photos of white men, and I'm sure it'll be fine. And it just hasn't been fine. Well, I mean, that's one of the problems with it all is it's just just working from a database. So it's not like it can take a face and find someone just somewhere on planet Earth. Like, you got to be on a database somehow. Right, but I'm saying the the AI is trained on photos, and it comes to understand a face is a face based on the photos that it's trained on. And I guess they didn't select enough um, people of photos of people of color, photos of women. I don't know why, but it seems like they got really good at white men because they were given more photos of white men. That's that's how I take it. Yeah, no, that's how I took it too. So, Chuck, if let's say that you are a doppelganger of somebody, somebody mm-hmm. famous like Madonna or Johnny Depp or, or Rizzo. Let's yeah. say J- Rizzo too, just to get the kids involved. Um, no, Lizzo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, uh. oh god! I was thinking back to Ratso Rizzo. I mm-hmm. think. Um, <laughs> so, if you're a doppelganger of Lizzo's, what would you do with that talent? Well, uh, you could go hang out on Hollywood Boulevard near Man's Chinese Theater and make some money, walking mm-hmm. around charging five dollars a picture. You sure. could get employed full time with an agency. Um, to, you know, get sent out if someone wants uh, Bill Gates at their party and you are a lookalike, then uh, you can go to their party and make a couple of hundred bucks probably. Probably. Um, You could also work on movies, apparently. There's lots of jobs for you. Yeah, I mean, this one is, um, it's less face. Like, when you're body doubling someone or photo doubling or standing in, Mm -hmm. kind of in that order, or did I get that wrong? Stand-in is least important that you actually look like someone, but you should be the same size uh, as somebody because they're they're lighting you for camera and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you can't, you know, um, The Rock can't have a body double or a, or a stand-in that looks like me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know if you wore one of those like ripped T-shirts. <laughs> yeah, right. And get away with it. Yeah. Uh, but, you know... If you do look like a celebrity and you want to get work as a photo double, then that certainly doesn't hurt if you look like them in the face. But it's yeah. more body size and skin tone and stuff like that is more important as for right. doubling. The, but the places where it really kind of comes in handy, if you really look like the person in the face and the build and the hair and the mustache and all that, is to um, serve as like a, a decoy, a political decoy. Yeah, Because throughout history, the more... Uh, hated you are either within your country or internationally or both <laughs> yeah the more you need more than probably one political decoys which is essentially somebody who's saying like yeah i look like you i'll go do the boring stuff but also risk my life because somebody might assassinate you at some point yeah and i get the sense in some of these that it's a little less like i look like you i'd like to do this <laughs> than kim jong-un says hey you guys come with me <laughs> right you're gonna double me now this is your new job yeah. Uh, because he is, of course, has been listed as having body doubles, 
um, to the point where there's been speculation fueled about whether or not he was sick in the hospital or actually dead. Mm-hmm. Um, Saddam Hussein had a bunch of decoys. Uh, they made a movie called The Devil's Double about uh, a man that was his son's double, um, Uday. Mm-hmm. And they made a uh, – I, I meant to see it, actually. It looked kind of good. But yeah, I haven't seen it That yet. was out in 2011. It was called The Devil's Double. And Latif Yahia um, basically spoke out a lot afterward that, like, I was Uday Hussein's double, and he was a very bad guy. So yeah. it was not probably the best job. Um, apparently, Stalin had at least four um, doubles. And then – this one is amazing to me. There was a British general named Bernard Montgomery, and he hired a double uh, by the name of Emmy Clifton James. Great name. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was Australian, and he posed as Bernard Montgomery and went around, I would guess, Europe, um, talking about Allied plans in the hopes that like his his plans would be or the the talks would be overheard by German spies, and the plans, of course, were fake. Um, and they were meant to serve as a, a decoy or distraction for the Nazis. And they think that possibly had an influence on the, the storming of Normandy. That's pretty cool. There's there's a movie in there somewhere, or at least a scene. It's surely, easily. They could have thrown it in as bonus material in the Operation Mincemeat movie, you know? Yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. Was it good? I liked our episode better, but yes, it okay. was <laughs> good. Right. It was it was a fine it was a fine movie sure yeah I, I need to check that out i saw one recently i just want it has nothing to do with anything but um it was a five-part series in swedish about the assassination of um their prime minister in 1986 olaf palma mm. and it is really fascinating because they think that one of the main witnesses was actually the assassin Oh, and they wow. kind of recreate how it would have happened, and they dive into his life. It's really, really good. It's worth watching. I think that's on Netflix, too. By the way, I don't work for Netflix. Right. Um, you got anything else? I got nothing else. That's Doppelgangers, then, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this one. I sure did. I know Chuck did. And if you want to know more about Doppelgangers, you can start searching on the Internet, and there's a lot of cool posts from social media of people meeting their doppelgangers that will just knock your socks off. And since I said that, of course, it's time for listener mail. Uh, this is in response to the Kissin' Cousins episode mm-hmm. from uh, a friend from the Ashkenazi Jewish community. I've got 0.2% Ashkenazi in me. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. I also have some Neanderthal, too. All right. Uh, hey, guys, just listen to the episode Kissin' Cousins. I am from an insular Ashkenazi Jewish community. Uh, I'm sure you understand us being insular makes the gene pool that much smaller. Uh, We also tend to marry younger than the rest of the Western world. Thus, in pretty much every high school in our community, we do genetic testing for recessive genes for defects or serious illnesses common in Ashkenazi Jews. Wow. Uh, We don't get the results to the test, only an ID number. A big part of our culture is being set up by matchmakers. Uh, Before meeting for the first time, both families will call the screening center with their ID number Mm -hmm. and be told if it's safe for them to go ahead with the matchmaking. It's amazing. It is. I met my current partner on my own, and we decided we were ready to settle down. It was a little scarier to call and see if we were compatible because we'd already decided we wanted to be together. Can you imagine that? Yeah, no, I mean, I'll bet that was pretty nerve-wracking. The call was more to see if we need to speak to a geneticist before having children than to see if we should get together for the first time at all. But thankfully, we were good to go. 
Uh, separately, I had a close friend whose husband passed away a few years ago. She had the option of marrying her brother-in-law. Uh, remember, we talked about that in the episode, mm-hmm. uh, which she had no interest in doing. Uh, she did take a pair of his shoes, though, and spit on them rather than him. <laughs> so that part of the Old Testament is kind of still kept in some places. Uh, and of course, I'm not speaking for all Ashkenazi Jews, only what I see in my community. Just thought you might be interested to know how a group is trying to keep tradition while staying safe and up to date with science in the 21st century. Uh, and this is a lovely sign off here. Wishing you the strength to continue for a long time coming. Nice. And that's from uh, Elki. Thanks a lot, Elki. That was a great email. I appreciate that big time. And if you want to be like Elki and send us a super fascinating email, you can do that too. All you have to do is write to stuff podcast at iHeartRadio.com, press send, and see what happens. Right, Chuck? That's right. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. It's been almost 3,000 years, and Greek mythology has proved that it is not going anywhere. But it can be difficult to find entertaining and engaging retellings of these myths that aren't fictionalized. Lucky for you, I'm here. Let's Talk About Myths, Baby is the Greek mythology and ancient history podcast of your dreams. I dive into the convoluted and confusing ancient sources so you don't have to. Listen to Let's Talk About Myths, Baby on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and my podcast, Climbing in Heels, is back and better than ever. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project, or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. Climbing in Heels is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.